Wars. Join Cameron Phillips, Phil Doyle, and Jordy Allen. Marvel as they tear into one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time. Listen to them talk about Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Only here in the very first episode of The Conquistadors. No, I can't do a Vince. You can't do a Vince. I can't do a Vince, but man, throaty growl voice, it hurts too much. Okay, you want me to try? You try, yeah, you try. Right, okay, I've got a call, this might not turn out very well. Let's go. Let's oh, go. Right. go for it. Welcome to the Conquista Board! That's good. Oh, that killed. That <laughs> <That's> killed. <laughs> Respect for Vince. Oh, man. That felt good, though. That's that cleared a lot off the chest. <laughs> oh, good. Right. Oh, yes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, welcome to the Conquistadors. Yeah, this is new. This is new uh, with me, Phil Doyle, and in the other corner? Uh, yeah, I suppose corner of work, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I'm Cameron Phillips. Yeah, you go. And I'm George Al. There was supposed to be a fourth corner, which is you and Taylor, but sadly he cannot make it here tonight, but he will be here in the future. Yep. Uh, so rather than a fatal four-way, it's a triple threat tornado? It's a, it's a triple threat, yeah. Triple or a three-way threat. dance, as WCW oh. always said, just to oh. avoid litigation. Somehow sounded that a little bit sexier. You know what I mean? Yeah, it did a bit. Three-way dance. Three-way you know, dance. The word dance was always a bit odd in the use in a wrestling context. Very much so. But we're here to talk about wrestling. We are. Because we need a place to talk about wrestling that's not on any other podcasts. Yeah, because a lot of the other podcasts we're on seem to just sort of dissolve into that quite readily. Yeah, because <laughs> wrestling is the basis of all uh, media. That's just good. It is, it is the foundation stone of all entertainment, really. Exactly. Exactly. But not just uh, current wrestling. We're going to be looking at all the wrestling, the good stuff and the not so good stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Which is why we're starting with WrestleMania 8. Yay! Yay! My first WrestleMania. My first WrestleMania. And mine. See? Well, well, it's, what a fantastic place to start. Now, I think, I think I'd seen bits of other WrestleManias beforehand. I remember being at a family wedding in Kent, and I think I might have seen a bit of WrestleMania 5, but I'm not sure. I had seen absolutely no wrestling until a business buddy of my dad's decided to get this newfangled thing called Sky Television and make, made me a VHS tape of the Royal Rumble 1992 oh. and handed it to me saying, this I think is what all the kids are watching these days, Cameron. Wow. And that's what kicked off my wrestling obsession. Was that's a good Royal uh, Rumble as well, isn't it? I used to work with my dad in the business. That would be the Flair Rumble, wouldn't it, when he won the belt? That would be, yep, the one that lead, led up to WrestleMania, which oh, wow. uh, would be the, 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 uh, the uh, one-hour-long Rumble appearance by Ric Flair. Yeah. And I think, you know, because it's most of ours first WrestleMania, it's a, I, not only that is it a good reason to start with, but I think because WrestleMania 8's kind of an endpoint, it's kind of the end of, Wrestle, of uh, Hulkamania in its own kind of way. So I think it's a good, you know, it's like a starting and an ending point all in one. I have actually written this on my notes, actually. There is a point at WrestleMania 8, some of the stuff you can kind of tell 
is a lot based on like the traditions of the old style of the business. Yeah. But we're starting to get into the WrestleMania being a big thing, entertainment-wise kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is so, kind of a weird crossover point. It is that transitional phase that it went yeah, through. Yeah, it's that, it's that period from, was it, from 92 to about 95, where they're just, they're just frantically trying to find something that works again. Well, it's a lack of Hogan. <laughs> yeah. And I'm truthfully meaning that. It's because they haven't got the big star for the next few shows. Because so. of... Well, they have it for nine, but he's not really a big star. And the struggle over the next few manias to find someone who's going to be the staple yeah. of it. Not really until 12 that it kind of gets back on track. Yeah, because, I mean, despite what everyone says about Hogan, he was the staple of the first eight WrestleManias, at least. Yeah. Well, he main evented all of them apart from WrestleMania 4. Yeah, and even that was a rematch between Hogan and Andre, which was a big deal at the time. Yeah, exactly. So he, he was like, WrestleMania was Hulk Hogan. He was, very, he was very lately added to nine as well. Yeah. Terrible tag team match. And of course, we know how it finished WrestleMania nine. Yeah. What's interesting in the build-up WrestleMania eight is they do refer to, to it a lot about being Hogan's last match. They do, yes. In the, um, the, the video at the beginning of Vince McMahon hyping the WrestleMania, which is brilliant. That's just, that's just you know, Gravely Vince is amazing. And he yeah. does say, will, they, will this be Hogan's last WrestleMania? Or something along those lines. The maniacal Sid Justice goes one-on-one with the immortal Hulk Hogan in what could prove to be Hulk Hogan's farewell match. Yeah, I mean, I, I never knew as an 11-year-old that Vince was in charge of the entire shebang. No, it was Jack Tenney. And you, were, you weren't supposed to know either. No, it was really weird. <laughs> it was only like in relatively recently that Vince has actually revealed himself to be the owner of the company. Yeah, that was well, the old attitude, wasn't it? When they, when they yeah, it was only when the Mr. McMahon thing came in after the Montreal screw job, like 98 time, you kind of yeah. got the main, you know, it was kind of pushed into stories that he was the owner. Yeah, the big cheese and all that. It, it was kind yeah. of like, they, they hid that really well. I mean, obviously, you know, people in the industry must have known because obviously his dad used to own the company beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably Senior owns the the, the the original company, yeah. Yeah, but for us, just but kind of I like. I suppose it would have been before, like your internet and before anything like that. So you, information like that would have been, you know, fairly hard to come by. Oh yeah, and it's all kayfabe as well. Don't forget the kayfabe. Oh yeah, kayfabe was kept well, well alive. Well over this point. Yeah, so let's get into it. Let's let's start talking about WrestleMania Eight and why it's so awesome. Well, the let's rubbish go, in places. Let's go. Yeah. Did you uh, spot the Tremors cameo in the first uh, bit of WrestleMania? Anybody? No. The lady singing the American theme? Reba McIntyre? Reba McIntyre, yes. Burt Gemma's wife from Tremors? Really? Really? Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. Little Tremors thing for you there. I did not. Didn't I did not make that connection. I didn't even realise, when I watched it back for this show, I kind of went, oh yeah, that's, that's her from Tremors. Wow. With the gun and stuff. Yes, yes, yeah. I can totally see that now, yeah, but I did not that. think of that at the time at all. There you go, there's a fact for you. Wow, well, I've, within the first ten minutes of this podcast, I've learned something new. There you go. Wow, that well, is amazing. And also, so once we get past that, we should, we should probably as well talk about the, uh, the commentary team on the show, because 
it is the classic team of Bobby the Brain Heathen and Gorilla Monsoon, which Absolutely is brilliant. one of the best combinations. I'll be talking about Bobby Heathen all through the show because he's just on fire in this, in this WrestleMania. He's brilliant. He but, is I mean, I, amazing because he is... It, I think it's really hard to get a heel commentator... Oh yeah, very much so. In support of one person, yeah. And I think that it, it, it kind of, it, it can come across come across as really sycophantic. Like when Michael Cole was like really hyping the Miz, yeah, a few years ago, it came across as really sycophantic and sycophantic and awful. Yeah. But I think yeah. Eden does it really well for his support for Flair. Oh yeah, and considering as well, like he's following uh, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse the Body Ventura, which was you know again one of the great tandems of commentary teams. This was the first WrestleMania where them two did purely commentary. Really? Uh, WrestleMania 7 they did, but they had to share it because Heenan was still a manager, so he would leave during oh, yeah, his, see, yeah. um, people's bouts. Go down to the ringside and whatnot. Yeah, uh, I think it was um, first contest, Hacksaw Jim Duggan replaced him, <laughs> and I think Lord Alfred Hayes replaced him when oh. he was in Mr. Perfect's corner. Man. If nothing, oh, Lord Alfred Hayes. If, 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 if there's one thing that says late 80s WWE, it's Lord Alfred Hayes. And his pink jacket. Oh, man. He's brilliant. That is amazing. He's amazing. So, yeah, you've got this kind of great commentary team all through it. Uh, no, Vince, I never really liked Vince on commentary. Whenever I saw someone commentary, I was like, oh, Vince McMahon, really? No, because he's pretty much terrible. The renowned phrase of, what a manoeuvre. <laughs> Any movie doesn't know. What Any a movie doesn't know, which is lots of them. Lots of them, <laughs> yeah. Having grown up in the business, <laughs> he yeah, has been, a fucking clue. He'd been announcing for like 10 years. He was like doing it back in well into the 80s, wasn't he? He was like the ringside announcer and stuff. So you'd have thought oh, he'd have learned. Yeah. He, was, he, wrest- he um, commentated WrestleMania 2, I think, is his first big deal. Well, that was like split across about, what was it, three Yeah, he was one of the so. three arenas he was, yeah. yeah. Was there not that story that Vince Sr. didn't trust him to do a good job? According to Jesse Ventura, that is indeed the story. Yeah, that's what Jesse Ventura said, that Vince Sr. didn't trust Vince McMahon Jr. to do a decent enough job. So gave him, like, some really non-important jobs. Yeah. And that's where Vince ended up. (laughs) Partly all the resentment when Vince bought, you know, Vince went national. Yeah. Went it's against kind of, what his dad said, you know, would never happen. His dad said, oh, I would never buy out any of the other territories. I would never compete with them. We always coexist. And that then Vince kind of went Yeah, so it's just like a big F to his dad, isn't it? It's all just a big kind of... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so you've got, so you got this uh, great commentary team on the, uh, on the show, and they start off with Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels. <clears throat> yeah. Versus the, uh, the Matador. Yeah, the Matador Tito Santana. Tito Santana. One yeah. thing I noticed though, when like Tito Santana makes his entrance, he does this kind of like really, really kind of face attitude of leading, being the gentleman and leading Reba McIntyre out the ring. Oh yeah, I was going to say. And then they kind of, sorry, yeah, then they kind oh, of bow can... to each other. Because he's a Matador, like, so he's showing respect. Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. They do this really awkward bow. <laughs> It's um that wasn't actually the first contest. The first contest oh, was the Bushwhackers beating the Beverly Brothers. That'd be the dark match for the that uh, the wasn't the dark match for the evening. Yeah, I you. cannot think why that didn't make it to the live broadcast. Don't understand it at all. And it was also um, Tito Santana's second opening match. He also opened the first WrestleMania. Wow. Tito did. Did he? Yep. Oh, he did and uh, Shawn Michaels also opened WrestleMania Seven. 
So, I mean, he was kind of be. I mean, this was early into his singles run, wasn't it? So he's being used as like a workhorse kind of guy. And he's he also got... opened WrestleMania 9 against the tanker. <laughs> we'll get to tanker later on, I think. Okay. Be... So, Shawn Michaels curtain jerked three WrestleManias in a row. He did indeed, yes. Wow. And then, but four years after this, he's winning the world title. It's six, uh, 12, sorry, yes. Yeah, exactly. Four years afterwards. Yeah, so. so right. Who started WrestleMania 26? And why are they not in the world title match at 30? Um, I think off the top of my head it was Money in a Bank, but I'm not 100% sure. But let me just quickly research this fact and we'll find out. Because little... I'm interested to see if a person... That is a hell of a rise. Unless it was the uh, street fight it's... between Finley and JBL, but I'm not sure it was. Uh, the first match of the evening was a tag team match in the Unified Tag Team Championship. Featuring champions Show Miz, the Miz and the Big Show, versus John Morrison and R-Truth. I can't even remember that. That shows how good that match was. That's, uh, yeah, they're not in the main event at all, are they? Well, I suppose my, my argument's kind of blown, because Miz would have been in that match and then was in the world title match 27. Yeah, 20, yeah was, yeah. So, so it was one yeah. year. But, but you, you can kind of tell Shawn Michaels, is he's got a good... He's got something about him, even though it's kind of, you know, not a great match. Oh, it's, it's a terrible match. Yeah. For match quality, it's bloody awful. It's bloody headlock after headlock. Yeah. And but then a really, really awkward finish. The, it is a terrible finish, isn't it? He does it like... Um, it's so terrible. I did actually write it down on my notes. He holds so a rope. He goes for a body slam and Shawn Michaels holds the rope and he ends up cross-bodying him for the pin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, well, I mean, it was... It, it, it just felt really bizarre and awkward, that ending. It feels like it comes out of nowhere as well. There's not yeah. much time to build any kind of story for that match. But my favourite part of the match, I think, was when Sean got hit and you hear, someone, hear somebody in the crowd just scream at him, You got what you deserve, Sean! Why, she didn't waste any time getting around there! That's her man. She stands by her man. That's her meal ticket! I've written exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's a really she, loud lady. This screaming woman, and she happens, she comes up again throughout the entire night if you listen yeah. closely enough. Yeah. And then I think at the end of the uh, end of the match, when they're kind of going out, um, Bobby Heenan says the words to, about, about Shawn Michaels, star of the 90s, Monsoon, star of the 90s. Someday we'll be wearing the gold, representing the World Wrestling Federation. This man's the star of the 90s, Monsoon. How prophetic those words would be. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, did anyone else, by the way, um, speaking as we were, what, we, we were we were sort of getting into the, uh, where we could be described as young men at this stage, aren't, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah 11, 12-ish, getting yeah. to that stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did anyone yeah. else find Sherry kind of sexy? He was kind of scary. Uh, I was always an Elizabeth person. You know, I thought he was going to say... Elizabeth guy. I thought he was going to say uh, the lady with the dusty roads in. Was it Sapphire? Oh, the Sapphire. I thought he was going to go with that one. My sweet Sapphire. My sweet Sapphire. That's kind of racist. We'll move on from that. So we kind of get that out of the way. Basically, white. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I, I couldn't tell if it was dusty roads or Sapphire. That's how bad the impression was. No, no, no. It was just it was when, like, a million-dollar man bought her. Like, oh, yeah, Sapphire. he did. What are you telling me, my sweet Sapphire? He did buy her. That was a good. That was yeah. a good angle, wasn't it? SummerSlam ninety. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Al. Yeah. 
So we get that match out of the way, and they drag the Legion of Doom out for like a little promo. It's it's not little. It's not <laughs> little. It's about ten minutes. Yeah, but I think what this proves is that Paul Ellery is actually amazing. It was ability that propelled the Legion of Doom to be the greatest team of all time. It was honor that formed the bond that forms the Legion of Doom, and it is revenge that unites us once again. Paul Ellery is so amazing that they gave him a, a ventriloquist dummy to talk through. Rocco. Why would you do that? Why would you give him that? It makes no sense. Like, he's so good on the mic. Terrible gimmick. He's such yeah. a good voice piece for the LOD or the Road Warriors or whatever you want. Just to kind of... Just, I don't get it. I love whenever they finish a line, it's like, tell him, animal. Tell him, Paul. Tell yeah, him, Yeah, it goes on the next one. Yeah. <laughs> they telegraph who's got the microphone next. Tell him, animal. Tell him, Tell him, Paul. Brilliant. That's proper old school promo work there, that is. But the thing is, I mean, in, in this modern day, would any tag team be given 10 minutes of time at a WrestleMania pay-per-view? Just to talk. Just talk when they don't have a match later on in the card. Can and I, I can that? understand it if someone attacked them or something like that, or there was like an angle, but there's yeah. not. Can I give you an LOD fact? Go on, then. Go on then. The original match was LOD versus Money Inc. But Hawk failed a drug test in like January, February time, so they had to drop the titles. And this was their comeback. Ooh, that does kind of make sense. Because Hawk was a bit that way inclined, wasn't he? Sadly, yes. Up to his eyeballs most of the time. Yeah. Have you seen SummerSlam 1992? Oh, I, I, believe, I believe that's Hawk's last match, at least in that stint. Yeah, watch Hawk wrestle at SummerSlam 92 at Wembley. That is a man who is not on the planet at that time. <laughs> that's when he came down on the bikes, wasn't it? And the big, the big yeah. Hardys. Yeah. I'm shocked they gave him a bike <laughs> to drive in on. He's, <laughs> oh, he's away with some theory. Yeah. That I think was also could... to be for the tag team titles, but that's another reason why it wasn't. Dearie me. But I think like... pissed off if you're an animal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of... <clears throat> Excuse me. The fact they got 10 minutes kind of shows just how big, you know, Road Warrior slash LOD were. I think people kind of forget they were that big. Oh, yeah, they were massive. Yeah, massive, they were such... Massive. Such a big thing. Of... Demolition would have long gone by now, Yeah. Oh, easy, because um, Smash is now the Repo Man. They were jobbers by 91. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, so I mean, was you, you, Axe you, left the Survivor Series 90. Yeah, because he was too injured, and they brought in Crush. Yeah. Before he was Kona Crush, or, you know, Hawaiian Crush, he was just Crush, wasn't he? Demolition Crush, yeah. Yeah, Demolition Crush. So, yeah, LOD kind of do their bits, and we get to, um, is it episode two of The Streak? Is it number three of the streak? Two. Two. Uh, two, yes. It started with seven with Jimmy Snooker. Yeah. This will be Jake, number two. Jake the Snake I, versus The Undertaker. I was really nervous watching... The, I was nervous watching a lot of WrestleMania 8 back because I had such a, so, a soft spot in my heart for the entire thing. Yeah. And I watched most of this thinking, oh, I remember this bit being amazing. Please don't be crap. <laughs> this and was this a- was the first match I looked at and went, I remember this being amazing. And it's crap. This was Undertaker's first match, well, first big match as a face. 
Yeah, cause he'd, oh, well, uh, rest- die because he'd stopped um, Snake attacking Randy Savage yeah. and Elizabeth yep. at the wedding. Yeah. But Jake the Snake's promo coming into that match is solid gold. Well, Jake Roberts, it looked as though you hit The Undertaker with everything you had, but he just kept coming. Simple foreplay. When the time comes, I will hook the head and I will drive him through the mat. I will put the final nail in your own coffin. Trust me. Say what you liked about the quality of wrestling by this point. His promo is amazing. I'd say about 95% of Jake Snake on a microphone was quality gold. Yeah. And also the best music by far. Trust yes. me. Yes. His heel music. Yep, the trust me thing. That was incredible. Not as good as his original music. The John Carpenter stuff. That's, that's, that's what I want all day just walk around really? the street what, the little synthy keyboard thing yeah it's brilliant yeah, it's alright it's not bad I like, the, I like yeah. the, the trust me thing but anyway the best bit of the match uh, was again Bobby Heenan do you know how he got that earned Gorilla you know how Paul Bearer got that earned I'm not afraid to ask the old fashioned way he earned it oh please he earned it he earned it oh god Best bit. Although, you know, a, a tombstone pile driver finished to the outside. That's, that's pretty hardcore. That was quite hardcore. Uh, I mean, but if you looked at that, could you, if someone had to turn around at that moment and went, see that dead man gimmick, see how the fact he's not selling anything, see how yeah. the fact he just wanders around the ring like some kind of comatose zombie, that is going to have the greatest WrestleMania streak known in the business. <laughs> you wouldn't have caught it, would you? No, you wouldn't have called that one at all. You no. would have been like, so, nah, no way. That gimmick's dead in the water. Well, I think that gets into the fact, even though I think we're all kind of young when we were watching it, we were all kind of like, the, the gimmicky stuff of it was starting to wear thin. Even though The Undertaker's a really good gimmick, I think people were starting to kind of tire of that gimmicky route, which, which they would plough for like another couple of years until they kind of started to rein that back in a bit. But yeah. I think, that didn't help him because it was he was like really properly living the gimmick at that point. Obviously, you know that would kind of be pushed to one side a bit, and until you get to like the American badass stage of his career, but he's yeah, still yeah. properly, you know, he's got, got the rake up on. He's still properly no selling stuff. He, he is, yeah, and he's it just and it, his matches are really robotic. Yeah, I mean, I'm like trying it, to remember the time when the Undertaker could because the Undertaker can obviously properly wrestle. Yeah. I'm trying to remember when it was he changed from uh, Lurch to like a proper decent wrestler. Would it be Royal Rumble '96? I was going to say like around yes. all that era, like when he started his. Yeah, he had a match with Bret Hart at Rumble '96, and that's when he started to stop the um, silly selling routine. Yeah, it would have been like after his initial feud with Mankind and things, wouldn't it? No, no, it was building up to that. That was the building up to that. That was the oh, year. Yeah, yeah, it's just a squash match. That's what it's really. It's just putting him over, you know, with a bigger star, isn't it? It's yeah, Jake. but had had Jake not basically said he was going to walk out after this? That was his. Um, he held Vince up. He said he wouldn't wrestle that match unless Vince um, released him from his contract. Yeah. Yeah, because hence he ended up in WCW wrestling. He had he had a m- much bigger contract in WCW on the table. But apparently when he got there, it got ripped up. And he only lasted WCW about six months. He was gone by about October, November time. Was he back off to Independence for a while? Because he didn't come back to WWF until the mid-90s, did he? 96. Yeah, because it was around the time of yeah. uh, Austin's King of the Ring thing, wasn't it, when he came back? Yeah, Although 
Royal Rumble 96 was his return. Yeah. Although they did want him back for Survivor Series 92 um, to try and solidify Bret Hart as a champion against someone decent. Yeah. So they bring Jake Roberts back, but it didn't happen. So yeah. he ended up fighting Shawn Michaels at that pay-per-view, which was a pretty good match. Yeah. It's always kind of sad Jake the Snake never really kind of got that big kind of main event stature at WWF when he was there. Because he was really good. I don't think he, it was obviously like he didn't have the kind of physique that they wanted to put him on top. You know, he wasn't like a giant Hogan kind of character. He was just like a really good ring psychologist and a really good promo guy. He got the um, second match at WrestleMania 6. It was like the second match on the promo, uh, on the card for WrestleMania 6, pretty much. Yeah. Against DBRC. That was about his this biggest one thing, wasn't it? Top and final, the King of the Ring, of course. But that was more made famous by Austin. Yeah. It's always a bit of a shame because he's like he's, he was so talented. Like say the, the the promo before the match starts is just you know solid gold. Oh, he's amazing. He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But I've speaking... got a note here of how much does how much of a joke does the Undertaker look with his hand trapped in that casket? <laughs> yeah, and he just can't move. It's just he just keeps looking at his hand, trying to pull it, kind of going. Uh... Hand stuck. <laughs> Cannot move hands. Cannot move hand. What happened? Help me, pull bearer with urn. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish. No taking chair and battering me overhead. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of awesome promos, we've, we're now moving on to Bret Hart versus Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh God, this is amazing! And th- this promo is literally is just one of my favourite pieces ever. I mean, Piper in this promo is just stunning. He used to make sandwiches and all the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. putting yeah, the bologna on the sandwiches. Oh, it's brilliant. Like, just the way that kind of Bret Hart just kind of doesn't even react to it and just kind of stands there, just being Bret Hart in his cool leather jacket phase. But that was probably part of it because it was that kind of contrast between the two because Piper is a complete brawler. Yeah. And, you know, Hart was more the sort of scientific wrestler. Yeah. And it would have been wrong had Hart kind of, kind of tried aggressive. to match him with the slanging insults. Yeah. But when and he it, goes to throw that punch, Piper pulls out the leather strap from his belt. Yeah. I want to add you. We'll add you first. Yeah, it was just, oh, it's incredible. Then the belt on the shoulder, she be mine. Would have had you. No, you wouldn't have. Oh, th- th- thank you, gentlemen. Bye Bret bye. Hart on bye his bye. way to the ring. Bye bye. Right. This should be a classic, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think so. Roddy Roddy Piper defending Not against today. the challenger. Let's get back to ringside. She be mine. Please. Yes, I'm making the IC title seem important. It really did, because obviously I think that was the highest belt that Piper won at WWF, wasn't it? He, he won the tag titles with Flair, didn't he, later on? But he never uh, won he never won anything more than the IC belt in his time. But like yeah, not, this, oh, not, in his, not in his prime. Yeah. But these two guys, they they really sell this match as being something really properly important. Oh, and it was amazing. This this again was another match I was watching but hoping, hoping that it lived up to what and it did. This is yeah. one of two matches on this card. That I think haven't lost anything over the yeah, years. Yeah, they live up. Because again, it's like because you say like you know Piper's a brawler and Hitman's the uh, the um, you know the excellence of execution. Yeah, and they they sell that really well. I mean, Piper in the ring he, again, it's just like great old school psychology, isn't it? He's just kind of he's a baby face, but he's playing it heelish, and he's yeah. just being kind of brutal to him. Oh, and I just... think the the best part of that match for me is the bit where the referee they have the ref bump. Yeah. And Piper goes outside and gets the bell. Oh, yeah, yeah. And not only is it responsible for one of Pipe, uh, Heenan's best bits of commentary of the night, in my opinion, which is, what the hell? Use the bell. <laughs> and 
then, <clears throat> but it's also the moment where Piper looks at her and then doesn't frame with it. Oh yeah, because at that, that point, like he's a, he's like uh, heart's busted open. He's a bloody mess on the floor. He's got yeah. the bell. All the crowd are going, "Don't do it, Ronnie!" And it's just like he sells that moment so well. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It's just absolutely incredible. Just yeah. on Bret Hart there, um, he did deliberately blade during that match, but hit it so well, he avoided the fine. Yeah, because he... I was going to say, because Flair obviously bleed later on in the night. And, and he, he, did, he, he did not avoid the fine, no. He did it crap. <laughs> no. Was it something stupid like four, five thousand dollars $5,000, which doesn't sound like a lot now, but was yeah. back then? Hey, not much of Flair, is it? He, you know, that's what he spends on suits. Come on. Well, yeah, but it's... Someone else's money, as we know that's, now. That's, that's true. Although my bit of uh, my favourite piece of um, uh, Heenan comes from this match, where he kind of discusses his strategy for the match, which would be uh, waffle him out back with a tire iron. What would you do if you were the hitman? Well, I'd have my agent buy it for me. Oh, if that didn't work, I'd waffle him out back with a tire iron. I'd get it some way, any way I could. It's just like every match, Heenan just kind of nails down at least one or two lines that just have you on the floor. Yeah, because he was amazing. He's amazing. He's amazing. But yeah, this, this, uh, yeah, I agree. This match, I think this, uh, I don't know what this is given on the you know, on the Meltzer scale or whatever that, but this this is a cracking match. It it gets very highly rated quite a lot. Oh yeah, it must, oh, yeah. must be four stars at least because, like I say, it may like Piper may not be the most technically gifted wrestler, but obviously by this point he'd be wrestling for what ten, fifteen years, and he just knew how to work an audience. It's his last. Oh, yeah. thing, it's his last WWE match for some time. Yeah, doesn't he go across to WCW for a while? No, no, don't forget. Is it movies for a while? Fight Jerry Lawler and that well remember food first. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah the King Ring one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is like a, this is an absolute crack of a match. Oh, it's brilliant! And yeah. the end, the whole ending as well with the sleeper holes into the when Hart kicks off the turnbuckle and goes yeah. backwards. A, a, a spot the repeat in um, Survivor Series '96 when he fights Austin. It's the same injury. Eh? Yeah, he does the million. Austin has him in the million dollar dream, and he does the same spot. Brilliant. I don't remember that. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, I believe that's yeah. the finish of Survivor Series '96. Is it? Oh, okay. I'm fairly sure. <laughs> the thing about that is that they're mostly renowned for the WrestleMania 13 uh, submission match, aren't they? Those two. Yeah. You forget they had a Survivor Series match. That was the first contest. Yeah. 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 At least, well, big, big hype contest. Yeah, 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 yeah. This big hype one starting the feud anyway. But. So you've had this kind of great big intercontinental match, this titan, titanic battle between Piper and Bret Hart. How would you follow that kind of match? <clears throat> the only way to follow that match is to do a video link to Lex Luger? Oh, <clears throat> I had completely forgotten about this. I had him, sadly. Lex had you Luger? not? Oh, oh no, intentionally no. hilarious. Heenan oh, is selling God. Luger like crazy during this little promo bit. Luger's drinking a big glass of milk, wearing a WBF t-shirt. Yep. And Heenan seems to be very, very um, curious about Luger, almost <laughs> worriedly so. Yeah, it, it gets a little bit homoerotic at one stage. You found somebody more conceited than you are. Thank you. Hey, give us a look. Make this a special event. Give us a look at the oh, body. Please. Give us a peek. Give us a big well, you know, Bobby, I tend to be a little modest. I know everybody's just dying to see what's lurking. It's nowhere near as bad as when he promotes, uh, when he previews them at the Royal Rumble 93. That is that is most, most oh, terrible. He, is that when he comes out as the narcissist, Lex yeah. Luger? Yeah. And, and commentator. Oh, it's terrible. I mean, like, 
Lex Luger, let's just, you know, talk about him for a second. I mean, at this point, I mean, he was like a big name coming across from DPW, wasn't he? Because he had that kind of big rivalry with Sting and Ric Flair and stuff, and he was quite a big main event player over there. So it was a big deal with them getting Luger over, wasn't it? We yeah. doesn't feel it now. Yeah, he, but... was, he was one of WCW's like, top four guys. But yeah. it wasn't to wrestle initially. It was for this, this bodybuilding thing. Yeah, the yeah. WBF. The, uh, the, was it the wrestling, the WWF version of a bodybuilding contest? Yeah. Yeah, it's another prime example of when Vince McMahon thinks he can do something that's not wrestling related. XFL. The XFL, yeah. yeah this, the, the World Bodybuilding Federation, you know, WWE movies. Yeah. But I mean, like yeah, Luke, Luke it did look great. You can't deny that. He, he was well, a physical looks specimen. phenomenal, but it's just, just garbage. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... Again, it's like he's given what five, ten minutes of a of a wrestling show of a, of a, the biggest pay per view of the year to broadcast this utter nonsense from yeah. his house in Atlanta with a lovely <laughs> pot plant in the background. I might lovely, say. isn't it? Beautiful. Yeah, and a nice painting on the wall, and then yeah. some sort of bikini clad bimbo kind of <laughs> just wanders in. Speaking <laughs> of nutrition, brain. <laughs> Yeah, oh, he does. Give it a rest. Oh, I'll see you drink 13 or something at the end. Oh, whatever. But of course, if you had Lex Luger on the show, there's only one way to follow that up, isn't there? And yep. that's with an eight-man tag match between the big boss man, Virgil, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Sergeant Slaughter, the Nasty Boys, Repo Man and the Mountie. Can I step in a second? Go on. The original um, duo on the first team was supposed to be Jim Nidon, Known Hart, but uh, they were replaced by Duggan and Slaughter. Because, um, I don't know, Jim Nylard got sacked again for whatever reason. <laughs> Poor Anvil. Poor oh, Anvil. He, he had a great beard, though, didn't he? Let's, let's get out of the way. Oh, cracking beard, yeah, but yeah. constantly but fired. <laughs> we, we, we've got to just touch on the gimmicks in this match. I mean, Big Boss Man, that, that's a decent gimmick, I'll give him that. He's Fair one of my favourites. Yeah, he was good. Uh, you know, he, decent gimmick, yeah. <laughs> he did his good. Vir- Virgil, moving on. Uh, Virgil had nothing to... It, no, Virgil was like a... a um, well, basically, he was he, he was a slave. <laughs> <laughs> he was and a houseboy, which was really uncomfortable viewing anyway. He's just rubbish. I forget. I've already forgotten. Did he have his broken nose thing on in this match? Yes, yeah. that's how it ended. How can you forget? That's yeah, how it ended. I thought that was. I keep. I keep thinking that's like a different WrestleMania or like a SummerSlam. No, uh, someone got smashed in the face. I believe it was one of the Nasty Boys with the face thing. The and that's how it ended. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but on the other side of the ring, you got the Mountie. Decent gimmick because he had the he had the cattle prod, didn't he? So that was a good kind Don't of. Don't forget Ray Coombs on. doing their ring announcing for them. Yeah, well, the dude from oh, the yeah, um, family for. Family feud guy. Yeah, because that, yeah. that's it's kind like, of... It's um, like his commentary on the repo man was his mother wanted a boy and his dad wanted a girl or something and neither was disappointed or something <laughs> like that yeah. Yeah. was the uh, thing for it. And, and joining him, joining him is repo man. I'm just telling what the survey said. Apparently they knew of his childhood. He was an unwanted child. His parents were disappointed when they first saw him. They were hoping for a boy. That's what the survey said. The Mounties was, the Mountie doesn't know the meaning of, um, was it defeat or something like that? But then again, the Mountie doesn't know the meaning of a lot of words. Yeah. Yep. There's some bad gimmicks in that ring. I mean, the, see, the Reaper Man used to be Smash, you know, the, 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 the tag team champion. I used to love Demolition. To see him as the Repo Man? It's a bit Repo weird. Man. 
I mean, it's uh, an okay match. It's it's rubbish. I think it's quite no interesting. No one in this match has any kind of ability. Whoa, no. whoa, 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 whoa. Boss man, no, come on. Nothing. I'm Boss not having that. Slaughter was a good wrestler. Maybe Ish. not then. Maybe not then. I'll give a you a year beforehand. He was in the main event, and now yeah. he's in this. What oh yeah, but even even more with it. A year earlier, he was Mr. Saddam Hussein. Don't forget. Yeah, and then he had that really awkward thing of, "Oh no, I love America. Actually, please take me back. I yeah. want my country he, back. I want that, my country back." And then it's like, going, "Yeah, they've got way too much heat for this Iraq thing." <laughs> But, but big boss man, he, he he was a really good big man wrestler though. Yeah, oh, oh, I agree with that. I love boss man. Right, he's he's the best of a bad bunch. Yeah, All right, I'll give you a break. Boss man, yes, I can accept. Yeah. Virgil is rubbish, but Virgil is de- terrible. In his defence, he's got quite good music. <laughs> Trump, yeah, no, no, yes. Well, we can have some Jim Duggan was he's about as good as he was all his career. Not very good. The thing that really bugs me about Jim Duggan, though, is Jim Duggan's go to thing to get the crowd involved is just to go, Oh, and that's it. That's all he has to do. He didn't actually have to wrestle or do anything. To be fair, it worked. Yes. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, just say, for idiots, the, it worked. The same trick worked, worked pretty well for Daniel Bryan, didn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah, it but just, he can actually the, wrestle. The one-word catchphrase tend to catch on quite easily, don't they? But yeah, terrible yeah. match. It's terrible. At least when Daniel Bryan starts the yes chant, you know something's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Where so for Duggan, it's just like, yeah, he's just going to sort of punch someone. Like, <laughs> I think this match is, is probably one of the low points on the card, to be brutally honest. Oh, it's an absolute piss break. Eight-man tag for WrestleMania 8, and I think was what, what they were going with it for it. Yeah, because yeah, they went with the ten-man like, tag for WrestleMania 10. Well, they wanted to, yes, that's what was on the card. So we reached a low point. I mean, so where, where can we go next? Well... Ric Flair versus the Macho Man Randy Savage for the WWE belt. Holy crap. Talk about an improvement. Jesus um, I've got to say, the intro into the Flair Perfect promo is just brilliant. When Sean Mooney starts talking and Perfect just goes, Shut up, Mooney! Shut it, Mooney! <laughs> Mr. Perfect champion Ric Flair, this is it. We are just moments away for the... Shut up, Mooney! And then, bang, straight into probably two of the best wrestlers of, the, of that era. Yes. Just, just giving one of the best promos. But also, also... Perfect, despite being injured and not an active wrestler at this time, is still brilliant in this whole scenario. That that's that you know the the flair you know having Mister Perfect had, what was he his executive assistant, executive yeah. consultant, executive consultant, consultant that was, was it, yep. if you if you don't mind me saying perfect. Just the two of them together were absolutely brilliant as a heel partnership. Yeah, you had everything there. It was just combine that with Heaton as well. Yeah, it was like that. That triumvirate was probably like, can you get any better than that? Because you've got like, oh, you know, it was incredible. Perfect's great on the mic. You know, Flair's just you know one of the greatest wrestlers ever lived, and you got the greatest manager teamed up with him as well. I mean, that that's just money right there, isn't it? No wonder they kind of 
but I think what also is a bit of a shame is it doesn't really last much longer than this WrestleMania, does it? It's like this, it's like the Royal Rumble and this is them kind of working together and then it just all kind of dissipates. No, no, SummerSlam, they're all involved in SummerSlam. True, yeah. So, so they got this, uh, and then it was... Um, in fact, it went all the way to the Survivor Series. Survivor when, Series? Yeah, they ended up betrayed them and he joined Macho Man, the team with them. Yeah, because that's when they, they, that's they split, got sacked again. Yeah, yeah they, they split fair and perfect. But they should have been going for years. You know, it shouldn't have been like three, four pay per views. It should have been three, four, five years of this team. Well, going, it might have go. been, but Flair wanted to go back to WCW, so they had the career ending match on Raw in '93. Yeah, which I think was a big mistake by Flair. Well, it's his choice. It's his choice, man. <laughs> yeah. If you read his book, that's pretty much Vince McMahon said he didn't have much for him, so he wanted to go back to WCW. Yeah. Shame, really, isn't it? But yeah, got, it could have been much better if he stayed, but never mind. He got that great promo, and then Mean Gene Oakland gives a great, a great, great promo as well. He's outraged outside Macho's dressing room. It could be that this man is concentrating right now on regaining the World Wrestling Federation title, or it could be that he's preoccupied with regaining the honor of his wife, the lovely Elizabeth, or it could be that he is totally consumed with the thought the notion that that alleged centerfold is going to be going up on the big screen here at the Hoosier Dome this afternoon, courtesy of Ric Flair. Yeah, he sells it really well. He sells it really well. This whole build has been fantastic up to this title match. Oh, yeah, like the early days of Photoshop with the uh, the photos of Flair and Elizabeth and stuff. Yeah, now it would... I think now you'd probably... If they tried it like now, it would be like, yeah, 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 it's just going to be photoshopped and all this kind of stuff, but... Back then, obviously, that wasn't really heard of. Yeah. And you, you, you genuinely kind of sort of swayed on which side Elizabeth was on. And yeah. It's also quite close to knuckle for the day. I mean, like, you know, talking about Flair having, like, an affair with Elizabeth and stuff. That's that's quite out there for the era, isn't it? Yeah, for the time. And the sort of, cause let's not forget, we, we were once again in a, in a PG era. Yeah. At this time. Kind of suggesting all this stuff. I remember reading about it in the, uh, the WWF magazine at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love been, that book, yeah. I'm just being shocked and sickened about what he's doing to the macho man. Yep. But then, like, you see Flag go out with that robe. It's like, yeah, you would, though, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is, from the top, a brilliant performance by Bo. Oh, yeah. Because Randy Savage, <laughs> sell, like, his entrance is incredible. Just the way he hits the ring and then goes straight after him. He's just, he's, uh, what Macho Man always does really well is that intensity to his work. He kind of yeah. really brings that anger and fury to it. And like the, the way it's been built up, the way he hits the ring just sells that so well. It's a, it, it was brilliant. You know, yeah. I mean, you get like, these days, I wouldn't see, like, I think the, the, the last example was um, Orton when he attacked Cena's dad. Yeah, yeah. A couple of months ago, and then they had the main event match. And then Cena makes his entrance, you know, sort of doing the salute and the jokey smile and all this kind of stuff. Because this guy has just attacked a member of your family. You'd yeah. live it. He's straight out there. You'd straight out there battering him senseless. Yeah, because Macho just comes out like a duck, yeah. like an arrow, doesn't he? That's he just what flies Macho out. Macho Man does. You know, he's, he, you know, Blair is, is, you know, trying to muscle in on his woman, basically. Yeah. Made slightly uncomfortable by the fact that you, you kind of. Reading between the lines, you kind of knew that Macho Man was a bit protective about Elizabeth in real life. Yeah. Which makes it slightly more uncomfortable. But, <laughs> you know. but again, it adds that realism to it, doesn't it? It's that kind of 
like this yeah. is the first kind of peek behind the curtain, uh, at least for the WWE kind of uh, scale of things. Yeah, all the best wrestling storylines have one foot in reality. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, also, as well, what helps on this match is Heenan on the commentary just flapping like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. From being supremely confident to being absolutely terrified that Flair's going to lose. It's the moment the gorilla starts going, you're going to be losing your meal ticket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get him up! Oh. Give me something to drink. Somebody give me something to drink. Give me some water. And then that's when Heenan starts going, yeah, no, 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 we've got it all covered. It's got it. Perfect's got it covered. Well, I really like um, in the match as well, like you got got... It starts off quite slow, and then there's like a Ric Flair corner flip, and they just change the pace into like a really brutal section of the match. Yeah. I think that's kind of like, the, um, they talk about how Macho kind of, you know, he's really prepared when he gets into his ring. Like, he really kind of like, pre- uh, you know, organises the match so well that he's, he's kind of, he doesn't really kind of leave much in the ring. He kind of gets, he kind of, you know, prepares really well beforehand. I think, yep. But they kind of really react well to the crowd and kind of keep them going. And that's around the same time where Flair gets busted open. With his kind of great face plant on the floor, which yep. should be stupid, but always looks great when Flair does it. Uh, it, it, it he sells it well. Like kind of two steps and then right bang on his face. That's brilliant. And also, you had you had perfect doing the interference thing with like the brass nuts and things like that. Oh yeah. Which could have been like a major spoiler moment for it, and could have ruined the whole thing. It could have been, oh, here we go, a screwed job finish. Yeah. But it well, that, doesn't. That bit when he throws in the brass knuckles and Flair catches him is brilliant. Yeah, but it, it's not overplayed. That's not like the main part of the match. You know, yeah. it, it, it's it's still there, and you're still like, okay, he's going to do that because he's a heel. Yeah, but it's but not it, like that's the overwhelming thing. The, the match still carries on. It's it, it's just well timed and well judged. Yeah, because they go into the whole thing about uh, going after Macho's knee, so they got the figure four leg lock on there. Yeah. And one of my favorite bits is like when Flair's kind of holding onto uh, Perfect's hand, and then uh, the uh, middle happens of the ref kind of kicks his hand out. Yes. In this kind of group, absolutely ridiculously over the top kick. And Flair Perfect incredible. just goes flying. It's like even, even the referees getting into the uh, style of it. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's just such intensity. And I'll tell you what else really makes this match Savage is selling. Oh, he sells so well. Because it is, um, it is brilliant. He looks like he's been completely brutalized. When he's in the, uh, the figure four. Yeah. Uh, he just looks like he, he's, like he's going to die. It makes it look like his leg's broken, basically. Yeah. And oh, but then um, I also quite liked when Elizabeth comes down to the ring. Did you notice that one of the guys was Shane O'Mac? Uh, no, I heard someone say it is, but I didn't notice him at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm guessing it must be his, like his debut on the uh, on the program. But yeah, like Shane O'Mac. No, 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 no. He uh, officiated. Oh. He officiated Survivor Series '90. He's a ref on the outside for Survivor Series '90 and Royal Rumble '91. Well, thank you, Jordi Al. Really. Yep. How old would Shane have been then? Christ knows. 20 odds, maybe? Yeah, quite yeah, young by then, wouldn't he? Just barely 20, I would imagine. Yeah. And also, wow. like, I think it must be kind of said as well that Flair looks amazing covered in blood. Like, there's I a think bit... it's the blonde hair. Yeah, it's his yeah. white hair. There's, there's a bit where he's like got Matcha in the corner and he looks at Elizabeth and he's like, This is for you, baby! Yep. And he like smacks um, uh, Matcha. It looks brilliant. And then you've got Heenan go, uh, was it? Oh, look at that gorilla. She winked. Flair will probably fix his leg so he can never walk again. It's for you, baby. Woo! It's for you, baby. And she winked. 
She winked at She did not. She did too. Uh, yeah, she, she did not. <laughs> she winked. She winked at it. <laughs> it's brilliant. And it, you know, it kind of goes into, a, the, into the finish where, you know, Macho pulls the tights and Heenan explodes. And from the outside. Yeah. Cheat to win, which is unusual for a face. Yeah. It is, it is. But they, they were so obviously setting up for a, a rematch somewhere down oh, the line. Blatantly, yeah, because obviously kind of, setting up for a rematch. That kind of plays the obvious you have the um the altercation in the ring then when Macho kind of um does his after match promo. He's like, you know, I had one piece of you, which was the title, I want more of you and he's like ripping the shirt and stuff. He gives gives that kind of really intense promo that Macho Man does so well. Yeah. And he's still hopping on one leg. He's yep, still selling it. the figure four leg lock. To the figure four. This, this was also the last WF pay-per-view where Matra and Elizabeth were together. Oh, was it? Yep. Really? Oh, that's sad, yep. isn't it? I did, genuinely did not realise that. The, the, obviously, WCW might have done something, but WE, nope. They yeah, uh, had a few one. more shows together, and I think the last one was UK Rampage, but uh, that was it because they were getting real-life divorced around about this time. Oh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, but by wow. SummerSlam she was she was gone by SummerSlam. Yeah, but then like you get you've got the match promo at the end of the match, the Ric Flair promo in the dressing room, when you know Perfect's mad, Heenan walks in, you know, raging, and then you know Ric Flair's just standing there, just like this calm center of the of the of the, uh, the madness, just covered in blood. He's yep. brilliant. The, 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 it's just perfect. Well, thank you, Gorilla. This is one tough assignment. I'm going to attempt to get comments from the now former World Wrestling Federation champion, Ric Flair's you executive... Shut cons- up, Mooney. Well, Bobby, you saw what happened. Did you see what happened? I just got down from the booth. He had your tights. I saw it. It's on camera. It's on tape. I got it. There's nothing to worry about. He had there the is nothing to worry about. Wait a minute. My- what we have right now is a man... Then I walk around town tonight, claiming to be the real world champion. It's, it's a Ric Flair promo that makes sense, which later on, not a lot of them do. Yeah, <laughs> he just kind of go off into his own. Because Flair kind of does that whole thing where he just kind of bellows and shouts sort of towards yeah. the sort of end of the nineties, two thousands. But when he does it here, it's perfect. You know, we get another shot at Mooney to Sean Mooney, which is brilliant. Yes. <laughs> But the, the whole thing from top to bottom, you know, the, the intros before the match, the match itself, the, the, the promos out of it, it's probably, what, half an hour or so of just perfection. I say so. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. And it should have been the main event. Fuck you, Hogan. <laughs> Fuck you, Hogan. So we, we kind of get into that after that match. We kind of go through um, what counts as a promo video in 92, which was Gorilla Monsoon talking over some footage of, like, leading up to the event of, like, Hulk, Sid just betraying Hulk Hogan. Oh and what, yeah, yeah. One of my favourite things was you see you see the press conference where Jack Tenney announces the the uh, number one contender, I think it's Hogan sat there, Macho Man sat there, Sid Justice is sat there, Hyper, and the Undertaker sat there. Hyper as well, yeah. Is that when Sid Justice does his really comical cartoonish up, kind yeah. of like, like scrunching up a bit of paper? Yeah, but I, I just love the fact you've got the Undertaker sat there at the, at the end of the press conference table, like, but he's like in full dead man guys. Just sat there at a press conference. Why did he take a be at a press conference? I don't know. He's too busy making caskets or something. Exactly. Like it's like, why is he there? It makes no sense. Not really. Uh, yeah. 
And then I think, you know, we, get, we see a bit of the uh, Sid Justice uh, heel turn. Well, what this video package made me remember is that Sid Justice's uh, um, choke slam was really good. He did yeah, that one handed choke slam. Yeah. He kind of drew them back and lift him up and slam him down. It was a really good choke slam. Yeah. He had that weird thing where he put the guys on stretchers at the end of the aisle and then just kind of throw them into the, the, the ring step on the side of the ring, wasn't it? Yeah. And you see him smashing up um, uh, the set for the, uh, what's it? Oh, I forgot his name Barbershop. now. Barbershop. Barbershop, yeah. What's his name? British Beefcake. Yeah. Smashing up that set and get covered in streaming foam. Yeah, how 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 much must it have cost Brutus the Barber to rebuild that set? Because he would have had Shawn Michaels flicking Marty Jannetty through with the window of it, and then he yeah. had to just to tear the whole fucking thing apart. Put the whole thing down, didn't he? Can I make um, probably my first Conquistadors confession? Go on. I actually used to really like Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yeah, he was alright. I was young. I was young, and he had like good music. And he was all kind of like, you know, I, I, I used to like him. Was that the one? It's Rick Rude, I think. Ah, so it was I. I used to like him. I'm sorry. I feel bad for doing it now. Because <laughs> <laughs> the only reason he was there was he was Hogan's best friend, wasn't it? That's the only reason. Anyway. That's it, yeah. That's it, yeah. Perfect. So... Can I just say, are we at the halfway part now? Near, near enough, I think. We kind of, they kind of built, we've had the first half of the double main event. Sorry, the first half of the double main event. Right. What I'm going to give you now is the proposed alternate card for the first half of uh, WrestleMania 8. Holy God. All right, okay. This, this was very high and probable. Most matches were very high and probable. Yeah. Um, whether it would be in the opener or not, I don't know. But Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty. Oh, Interesting. But Jannetty got fired for uh, for whatever, but that was the proposed match at WrestleMania 8, was the blow-up between them two. Yeah. But they had to wait till uh, Royal Rumble 93. <laughs> so that would, that would have been the opener, possibly. Yeah. Undertaker's opponent was possibly the ultimate warrior. Um, getting back to uh, SummerSlam 91, that was probably the program they were looking at if Warrior hadn't got fired. Would he have won them? Surely the Warrior would have won at WrestleMania. Yeah, I was just about to say, I the think, I feel the same. I feel the same as well with that one. I think that's exactly how it would have went. Uh, the Intercontinental title match, possibly again, Bret Hart versus the Mountie, which I think would have been as lame as hell. So that went terrible. The direction well, they did. Hart would have had a good match, but it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have had like, you know, the quality of the Piper match. Uh, <laughs> and um, the Eight-Man tag would have been whatever, maybe with a new foundation. Maybe just a tag match, maybe a blow-off between uh, Colonel Mustafa and Sergeant Slaughter, but yeah. nobody cared about that feud to nothing. And uh, the Macho Man, possibly Jake Roberts, um, a final blow-off for that, because that was done very rushed, very quickly at uh, Tuesday in Texas. And as the uh, rumours yeah. is, that's what, if the Warrior hadn't got sacked, then they would have dragged that feud out till WrestleMania, possibly sense. even ending it in a cage match between the two. Interesting. Yeah, so there, there you go. That could have there been could have been a shape of WrestleMania eight. Huh. So as Jordi Al says, we're off into the second half now, kicking off with uh, Tatanka versus Rick, the model Rick Martel. The tanker's. Anyone else wonder what the hell was going on with that tribe in the middle of the ring? Yeah, they were they were blessing the ring, weren't they? Or something. Well, there was no like, introduction for them. There was no like, and now the bloody bloody blah tribe of bloody bloody blah. They were just there, 
and you're like, what the hell? We were too busy enjoying a great Rick Martel promo of him with his uh, badge on saying, yes, I am a model. Yes, and the whole arrogance thing. It's kind of arrogance and stuff. is scalping tickets. (laughs) The best joke. The best joke delivered. And you know what? I heard they might not even be a match. (laughs) You know, because I heard that Tatanka is still out there scalping tickets. <laughs> I genuinely think they, they have they have spliced Rick Martel's character in two and they ended up with Santino Morella and Dolph Ziggler. Makes sense, yeah. That yeah, actually makes sense. You had those together, you get uh, last WrestleMania as well. Well for Martel. Yeah, he was supposed to be a ten but that you never see? happened. So yeah, it's he's a, last it's a WrestleMania of endings yeah. this is. Loads of them all over the place. I mean, um, I think the only good thing to say about this bit is Rick Martel's music is brilliant for, you know, the model music. Yeah, a year ago he was having a blindfold match. Let's not forget that. Oh yeah, I forgot that one. It was, yeah, that was terrible. And then um, the only, only other thing really is Keenan just going mad with the with the um, jokes. You know, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? And all that. That's that's the main thing taking this match is that Bobby Keenan yeah. is an excuse to wrap out loads of jokes. Could you get away with that on television now? <laughs> if you're Bobby Heenan, you could. Did you ever say hello to Tatanka? Yes. To do it properly. Yes. He said, hey, how are you? Hey, how are you? Does it do that? Yeah, I would imagine that would be slightly racist now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one's out of the way. We got Now we're on to the tag team title match. Many Incorporated versus the Natural Disasters. Uh, like I mentioned, possibly the LOD was yeah. in the pipeline. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Probably been better. Natural Disasters we... have the worst promo before this match. They look so sweaty, don't they? Yeah, yeah I, but they just bellow. I feel really sorry for me and Gene that promo because he's kind of stuck between these two loud, sweaty, bellowing men. <laughs> yeah. He just kind of gets squished. But they just shout and that's all. And, and I know it's going to be like, you know, wrestling promos can be more than just a big, sweaty guy yeah. bellowing about, I'm going to kill you. Oh, it, you this know. is all it is. It's just bloody terrible. They have DiBiase starting off with it. The, the, the Money Inc. give their promo, which is really good. Yeah, yeah Money Inc.'s better. Because DiBiase, you know, he's one of the great heels of all time. Uh, he is, he is. But let's not forget, as me and Al know, this is around about the time that his wife discovered his infidelity. Yeah, makes sense. Yep. Because this, obviously, he came in, DiBiase, as a quite a big, you know, top-level heel character in WrestleMania 4 and stuff. And then by this time, he'd been kind of, not sidelined, but pushed to the to the tag team division. But he's still doing good work, you know. I mean, this well, match is really hard for him. the start of his kind of body breaking down, though, with injuries. Yeah, I think this, like... Because was, was in... it not like a year later he cashed out on his Lloyd of London payout? Summer, after SummerSlam 93. Yeah, because he was when in the Yeah, that was, that was the last match. WWE match, but he went to Japan to work, and that's when he got his bad injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, 
it, this one's it's really tricky because you've got basically you know two not massive guys versus two giant guys so it's a really hard match for him to work and it comes out all right i mean yeah, i'm just checking what i've written about it um I have written, why does IRS insist on wearing the tie? Makes sense, yeah, because he gets caught, his gimmick. Every single person he wrestled grabbed the tie. Pretty much, yeah. Every single person he wrestled grabbed the tie and punched him. Yeah. Well, the one thing um, I, I, I remember um, writing down is that there's a bit where Typhoon falls out of the ring and he completely botches it. I like have the t- put ty- Typhoon fucks up going over the top ropes over Debiossi. Yeah, I wrote That's on there. Same bit. Uh, botches the fall out of the ring, foreshadowing the Shockmaster. Oh yeah, he does. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> you could see it already there, couldn't you? And I mean, you know, Jimmy Hart suits really good. You've got to give it that. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give it that. He has his own unique fashion sense, mm. which is rubbish. But and then there's one really horrible bit where you get like an undershot of Earthquake's crotch. It's just, <laughs> yeah, you just, just terrific. Some cameraman's too close to the ropes and just looks up and it's like, oh my god. Yeah, you don't want that. Get out of there. No. And then, um, don't just the. Um, they just walk out the ring, don't they, Manny? Yeah, that would not happen these days. I mean, it's a good. It, I mean, fair enough, it's a, it's a good heel finish, you know, just walking out of the match. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good for a heel finish, yeah, but y- you'd think any team that were more athletic than the Natural Disasters would have given chase. Just ran after them. But the and Natural Disasters are so slow and blundering <laughs> and rubbish. Manny Inc. would have escaped by doing like a slight jog. Yes, pretty much. And that would have been it. But they just sort of stand in the ring and just kind of hold the hand and go, whoa. But, but you know, it, it is a heel team walking out of WrestleMania with the belts, which is a bit weird in itself, really. Oh, well, I don't, you, you don't mind heels, like, winning, you know, retaining the titles, but yeah. it's just... It's, it's a rubbish a, finish. A complete, bizarre world finish. I'm just like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. Yeah. And then, I'm, I'm guessing there's a promo for Brutus the Bobby B pick next. All I've written is, oh, fuck off, Brutus. No, uh, I, think, I think he's promoting Hogan. Yeah, he's doing a promo for Hogan, yeah, isn't they, he? Yeah, they, they seem to have this whole thing about not having a Hogan promo. Yeah, because it's okay. his last match and stuff, isn't it? Because he's, he's too busy, you know, concentrating, yeah. saying his prayers and eating his vitamins. And I'm guessing there's a Heenan comic, so I've written down, a big deal, Brutus is your friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brutus set a mouthful there. Just get to a Big deal. Brutus is your friend. I'd rather have no friends than have Brutus as a friend. So, and then we go straight to the ring with Skinner's already sat in the ring. It doesn't even yeah. get an intro. Doesn't I know, even get I was say, it doesn't even get a televised intro. How much trouble are you in if you don't even get a televised intro? That's quite can, bad. Well, can I, can I just do the commentary for this match? Because this is one of my my favourite favorite pointless WrestleMania matches. <laughs> yeah. uh, Right, it's literally Skinner beats on heart up. He spits in his face to start off with. Yeah. He uh, clubs him a bit. He hits the gator breaker, reverse neck uh, breaker, uh, reverse DDT, sorry. Um, goes to pin him, Owen kicks out, uh, and then it's a roll up, and Owen Hart wins. And that's the only offensive move he does in the whole match. Yeah. Just roll up. Like, bit bop, bop, that is the match. That is it, isn't it? One minute 36, I believe. <laughs> That spit it start is so horrible, isn't it? Obviously, got told just, oh, you've only got two minutes, go out there and do something. You don't even get like anything fancy from your heart, do you? You just like that. No. <laughs> he, does, he does a somersault on the top to start off, like in his ring, or I think he does a somersault, and yeah. then Skinner's in his face straight away. That's it, isn't it? 
And that's it. We're into the uh, we're into the Mean Gene and Sid Justice promo now. Where I, Sid... I'm just going to make two points first of all before um, that. Um, just going back a couple of matches. Earthquake would be actually undefeated at WrestleMania at that point. Well, the earthquake. Really? Yeah, that was easy. he was three and zero, and uh, WrestleMania ten would make it four and zero. Jesus. His only defeat, or so to speak, would be the gimmick battle royal. But I don't know. If, I don't know if he really really can't, as a can't really count about royals. And um, so yeah, that, that's a that's a note on the earthquake. And also, there was a match uh, pulled from the card, which was the British Bulldog versus the Berserker. That would have been all right, I suppose. Apparently, it was pulled. Well, the claim Bulldog was injured. If you get the Coliseum video, a little message comes up at the end saying uh, the match didn't take place because of Bulldog's injury, but. The rumor is it's because they're running low on time. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I, I imagine the the Flair match match must have ran on a bit long. Yeah, it could it could have done. But yeah, that's probably why the uh, the Skinner Owen Hart one was so so brute so quick. I don't even think that was announced. I think that might have just have been putting them both out there just to fill in a couple of minutes. Of minutes, yeah. Yes, yeah, so we've got uh, the means uh, the Sid Justice promo going into the uh, match. He's really horrible to Mean Gene. He calls him was it a bald haired little oaf? Now this clash, this matchup this afternoon, I expect there's going to be a barn burner. No, shut up, you fat, bow-headed little oaf! I think in probably in 93, Vince McMahon would have called him that as well. <laughs> Which is, we get the first shot of Vince on the, on the entire program, apart from the voiceover. He's interviewing Hogan about his last match. And he, and thanked, I, he thanks him at the end. Yeah, but what, what I thought really weird is, like, Vince is there in, like, in a proper, you know, tuxedo, and Hogan sat there in a T-shirt. Yeah, it's like he's he just stepped up the gym, isn't it? Yeah, he doesn't even dress up for it. <clears throat> and like you no. say, he just kind of goes, you know, on behalf of the fans, thank you for Hulkamania, and speaks his hand. Thank you for the memories. Yeah. Thank you for the, yeah. And this fate to Sid Justice's grinning, smiling mouth. Yeah, had, had we, had Hogan done the whole Arsenio Hall show by this point in time? Well, I'm not sure. I'm the one sure where that. he said, oh, I, I wouldn't take steroids, and that turned out not to be true. Because that's kind of behind his reasoning behind leaving, isn't it? Is we're it getting was, to that area. yeah, because of the whole steroid scandal. It yeah. must be straight after that then. They kind of he took some time off to kind of deal with that trial and all that, because it's all around this year, isn't it? Yeah, because he, he buggered off to do like Hollywood stuff. Was it not Suburban Commando when he did? No, 91 was Suburban Commando. Was it? So he'd already done Right, yeah. When was Tropic Thunder? Was that around this time? Was that later? No, Suburban Commando, he left in... Um, summer of 90 he left to do Suburban Commando I believe yeah. when um, he did a storyline about Earthquake crippling him and that's oh, yeah. left to do Suburban Commando I remember that in the magazine where he kind of did the splash in his ribs and broke him or something yeah yeah. Uh, terrible that yeah and then Sid Justice ends with just kind of looking at the camera it's like I curse you Hogan I curse you I curse you I curse you and every maniac. Because I rule the world. Sid Justice was terrible. There's well, nothing looked, good about that guy. He looked great. I like Sid. He looked great, no, and he had a, he had a good choke slam, and he you know, he had the power bomb. Like him saying power bomb in the ring was brilliant. He just wasn't a good promo guy. He was all right. He just kind of got lost on his promos. It wasn't a good. He had like a couple of good moves, and that was it. He just like this. Just this typical WWE main event and big fella that doesn't really have a clue. Yeah. Did not like Sid Justice at all, sorry. Did not rate him. And that's how we get to the main event at WrestleMania 8, Sid Justice versus Hogan. 
I love, oh, yeah. like, it starts off with the heat between uh, the Fink and Harvey Whippleman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when he's like, he introduces the Whippleman and he, like, snatches the microphone out of his mouth and the microphone cuts out anyway. That would result in a tuxedo match on Raw many years later. Oh, dear God, I need to see that. No, you don't. Don't need to see that. So, um, I think the next thing written down is Real American is still amazing. Yes. Yeah. That holds true to the day. Yeah, when that music hits... There's very there's, there aren't very many wrestling things that have the same impact. There's like you know the glass break from Austin Steam, the bong from the Intaker. Yes. And then there's real. There's like. And then what I thought was quite funny, like Hogan hits the ring, has a bit of a fight with um, Suggested. So this music's still playing. It's like yeah, a good it's minute into the match. Music to finish, doesn't it? He's doing all his dancing and stuff, and Suggested's there, all kind of like, oh, girl, turn the music off. Yeah. But yeah, it's just what we get then really is like Hogan by numbers. It's not a good main event. It's terrible. It's full of bloody tests of strength and nerve hold. It's awful. Why, why would you go into a test of strength? Yeah, because you just know that the other guy's going to kick you in the bollocks, basically. <laughs> yeah. But I quite like um, one of the probably the best Sid moments is when he kind of calls the camera over and he's like, you know, you want to others as you, do, as you would do to them, but do it first. Do we have a saying? It goes like this. Do it to the man as he would do it to you. <laughs> but do it first. He's, he's talking like it's over. It's not over. Yeah, it's really weird mid-match promo. When has that ever happened? I don't know. It's really weird. He just kind of speaks into the camera, oh, doesn't he? He doesn't like grab a mic or anything. I cannot remember any other wrestler making a kind of mid-match to the camera promo. No, not for, not for many years. Not even in ECW where they do that, would they? No, no, no. The only thing I can think of off the top of my head similar is when The Rock took up the commentary mic in a match with Mankind. Oh yeah, he just started commentating, didn't he? And he starts commentating on his match. Yeah, but like, um, Sid's not even got a microphone, he's just shouting at the camera. Yeah, which is kind of a highlight of the match, but there's not really a lot in the match to actually be, you know, for it to beat, really. Yeah. I mean, the crowd, I mean, the crowd are popping all through the match, though. I mean, they're still obviously loving Hogan at this point. It's still the whole, oh, it might be Hogan's last match thing, blah, yeah. blah. Yeah. And Hogan, but, by this point, like he's properly bald. He's starting to lose like the pythons. Don't look as good anymore. This isn't no, like prime Hogan, like he's is not it? Taking enough vitamins. <laughs> not taking all you those know. vitamins. And I do, I do like it when Sid calls the power bomb and he just kind of shouts power bomb really loudly. There's the cross thing with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> is it, is it, is, but then like, Cena does that every single week. So. Uh, yeah, given that. Yeah. But it's a good powerbomb. And, you know, it's you don't see Hogan powerbomb very often. No, you don't, to be fair. You yeah. don't, but... 
it's um, yeah, I know. I just hated this as a main event, especially after Flair and Savage were so yeah. brilliant, and that should still go on at last. But it would never happen in this year with Hogan, though, would it? It would never ever happen. Oh God, no, 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 never. no, no, no! They were building for the end of the match. That's what they were doing. Uh, yeah, they were building for the obvious. Yeah, it was it was no way obvious at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we, I think the match is more famous for how it ends rather than the actual content of the match and, itself. And that was not obvious at the time. I, I, it was great to be a kid at, at 11 when wrestling. Oh, yeah, if, if you were going to plan something similar today, it would be totally spoiled. Oh, it would be fine that way around, wouldn't you? Yeah, it would be all over Twitter kind of saying, wait a minute, Ultimate Warrior was seen at the airport in Indianapolis. <laughs> something like that would happen, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's got his wrestling gear with him. He must have. <laughs> So, so how it breakdowns is we've got um, Hogan makes the comeback after the powerbomb, doesn't he? he? Kicks out the powerbomb. Yep. He starts hooking up, slams Justice, drops the big boot, and Justice kicks out. Well, well, no, no, no. What was supposed to happen was Mr. Shango was supposed to interrupt the count, but Mr. Ah. Shango was way behind the times and hadn't even left the dressing room by this point, so Sid had no choice but to kick out. Now, Jordy Allen, you've fallen into my carefully prepared trap. Right. Because... Uh-oh. And there we go. I was listening to um, the Colt Cabana podcast, The Art of Wrestling. And he had um, Harvey Whippen on there, or Bruno, as he's called. I think his other wrestling name, um, Harvey Whippen, was on the podcast. And he confirmed that the end of the, po- end of the match was as, as it should have been done. He said it was exactly how it was planned with no botches in it at all. The WrestleMania where um, uh, Papa Shango comes running right. out. Yeah. Like, I'll let you finish. But I said, that is a wives' tale. But I'll let you finish. That is a wives' tale. Well, I'll let you finish what you were going to say. I don't know if I was going to lead you into something, but. No, that Sid wouldn't do to finish. Uh, no, that, that Papa Shango was like 10 minutes late to run down, and you saved the match, and therefore you. Well, I'd like to take credit for saving <laughs> WrestleMania, but that's not true either. Not true. No, but no, I thought what you were going to say was a lot of people said that, that Sid wouldn't do the finish. He refused to do the finish. So, okay, uh, okay. so that's why I jumped in the ring, but that's not true. Now, who in the hell's texting me? I bet it's Papa Shango. <laughs> why in the hell are you saying Sid. Uh, It's actually, it's funny. It's, it's ten-sided, how we're just talking about it. Oh, wow. He says, are you here today, you little butt fucker? Now, isn't that a nice thing to say? Oh, what a sweetheart. As you're putting him over. Yeah, I'm going to say, hey, nobody calls me little. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, there's no truth to any of that. Though. Okay, yeah. okay. Everything was exactly how it was supposed to be. What else you want to know? Oh. Well, that doesn't make sense because Earl Hebner disqualified Hogan for no, uh, sorry, Justice for no reason because Hogan slams, he brings in Harvey Whippleman and throws Harvey Whippleman at Sid Justice. Yeah. And for no reason, the disqualification happens. Why? Why did he disqualify him? I don't him? know. You have to, to email Harvey Whippleman. But he said that the end of the match was like as per it should have been done. But that, that was rubbish. That was, that was <laughs> terrible. That I was even was worse than an improv finish. Because, <laughs> like I said, Harvey Whippleman did nothing to get throw, Sid Justice um, disqualified. Hogan throw... dragged him in the ring. Hogan threw him at Justice. And thus, there was no reason to disqualify him. But they got to protect Hogan, haven't they? They've got to protect Hogan. Yeah, but at least do something. At least Harvey Whitman hit him first or something <laughs> to get disqualified. Didn't he hit Hogan him with his bag? Drag him in physically match? in the ring. I remember his bag being involved at some point, but I'm guessing that was earlier on in the match. It must have been. I don't remember it at that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, Papa Shango comes down. Hogan's in the ropes. Just beating him up. Like, oh, man, it's really bad. Who, who can save? Hulk Hogan at this From point. Papa Shango, who, by the way, has no beef with Hogan at all. <laughs> no beef. Ring. Why is he in that ring bewilders me to this day? He just comes down for a fight. 
Who who can save Hulk Hogan and the Hulkamaniacs? And this is brilliant. This this moment is brilliant. Who can save him, Jordi Al? Oh, it's none other than my personal hero who will be in the CS Hall of Fame, and that is the ultimate warrior. And when his music hits, it is coming your pants time. It was. <laughs> With that hit, I remember my 11-year-old head just bursting. Because, I mean, the warrior had been off the TV for ages, hasn't he? How long had he been off for? He got sacked at SummerSlam, SummerSlam. 91. Yeah, it's been a long time. And, like, when that music hits, oh, my God, it's a moment, isn't it? Even though it's kind of rubbish and it doesn't really go anywhere. <laughs> Don't just, forget Papa Shango's famous clothesline. Oh, yeah. Just, just, just the sight of the warrior kind of steaming down the, 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 uh, the runway. It he seems just, to make Papa Shango pause in his tracks and just seem to look into the crowd for about five seconds. Yeah, it's, it's an awkwardly long time. He has to kind of stand by the ropes going, ooh. Yeah. The the warrior warrior clothesline. So. Well, warrior finally decides to clothesline and put him up in misery. Because the warrior's too busy kind of jumping around and shaking the ropes and just running on the spot and stuff. Yeah. That's what he has to do. He has to, he has to build up to these things. He's got to build up to these things. And you kind of end off with a massive flex-off with uh, Hogan and uh, the Ultimate Warrior just kind of, you know, massive. There's some pyrotechnics go off. Is another bit before that where who is it just did Justice not try and batter the warrior with a steel chair and they're just like completely just you know like doesn't Hogan grab a chair or something pounds his way through it I think he yeah he starts hitting the warrior if I remember rightly and then Hogan grabs the chair and Hogan and then um, Justice like oh he's got a chair I've got to run now and he, run, and he runs out of the ring like that's it Hulkamania is saved yeah is it saved yeah it's saved it's definitely saved Definitely saved until obviously it goes down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. What I quite like is you've got like this massive kind of uh, the pyrotechnics behind uh, Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, so they kind of like flexing in front of this kind of white load of fireworks going up in the air. And Hogan yeah, tries a bit dangerous in retrospect. Yeah, it? but Hogan tries to go, like he does the ear thing to one side of the ring and turns around to the other side of the ring, but he can't see the crowd because that's where the fireworks are. Yeah, it's completely like a, 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 a massive oh, by this point. Can't, can't see him that, so I can't, can't do the ear thing. Never mind. I'll just flex to this side with my ultimate yeah. warrior friend. Just keep flexing, keep flexing, keep, keep flexing. flexing. And yeah, so that, that's that's how WrestleMania 8 ends with, you know, two, two muscly men flexing their muscles. Yeah. Like, as, it, as it should be. As it should be. As but it always should be. It's a, it's a weird WrestleMania though, isn't it? It's a really weird one because as it, good as that moment is when the Warrior comes out, like everything up to it is kind of a bit pants. Yeah, it, it hits a major, major high point with Savage Flair halfway through. Yeah. Hart versus Piper is incredible as well. Yeah. I, I pity anyone that had to follow um, your Savage Flair into, you know, leading up to Hogan Justice. Well, that was you to tank him out, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, God bless yeah, them. I feel really sorry for them because there's no way on earth they're going to be able to do that. Yeah, you know, to get any because the crowd are just completely spent after that main event and halfway through. Totally. Well, they they uh, did the same thing like years later with Hogan and The Rock, didn't they? Because they were second from the end. Yeah. And like, was was it um, Triple H Jericho had to follow them, and it just kind of like the crowd were a bit that flat was because flat as well. Yeah, which yeah. Jericho got the blame for. That's harsh, though, isn't it? I think everybody knows Hogan Rock should have been on the end of that WrestleMania because it just made more sense. But that, you know, I suppose that that in WrestleMania 18, they had the uh, they could you know push Hogan down the card a little bit because he wasn't quite as powerful. But back in '92, 
he was still the main the guy, wasn't he? He was the main event. He was the main event. He was the main guy. Yeah, he was totally top of the hype. And um, that was it. You, yeah. you were waiting for Hogan to finally shuffle away before you actually had any kind of say. And we're we're probably a couple of years away yet from the sort of the, the era of the smaller guys. Yeah. Oh, it takes well. Yeah, I think like. like you know, Bret Hart's with world titles and your Shawn Michaels with world titles. We kind of go off the WWE goes up to like the um, the Lex Luger years for a while, the Lex Express and all that before it yeah, kind of bit, yeah yeah before we can kind of. Let's get not forget we had Yokozuna with the belt for like a year. Yeah, Yoko's in there. Cool. And we get these and all that. So yeah, right. I mean, it does feel like like I think like we said at the top, it does feel like a lot of the kind of classic stuff from the late eighties is kind of running that running out of steam is kind of going away. You know, Macho Man would be off the boil for many years. Hogan would, you know, just wouldn't be too long before he went off to WCW. So a lot yeah. of the kind of mid, a lot of the kind of mid carders are now kind of you know they're running out of steam as well. So a lot of the card now is starting to run a bit thin. And it'd be what a year or so before uh, Monday Night Raw would start. Um, what was 1990. it? January nineteen ninety three. So you're probably about nine months away. Yeah. From Raw. Oh. And that kind of starts him down like a whole other path, but you know, ends up in the Monday Night Wars. So, this kind of, I think it is kind of a bookend to that kind of big first period of Hulkamania from you know, from 84 through to this. I mean, it's a long run, you can't deny that, but it just it doesn't really end with a bang, it ends with a whimper. Yeah, it ends. It's you've got the two main guys in the entire sort of base side of the federation. At the end there, when you think about it, both of them are posted as like the main two guys of the thing that's right at the end. That's your last shot, as we've said. Yes, yeah, those two guys. Warrior would have a feud with Shango, which didn't really go very far in the summer. Yeah. Which never really got properly resolved at any point. And then he buggered off again by Survivor Series. Well, no, he, was, um, he was supposed to wrestle Bret Hart at Rumble 93. Yeah, he had that thing with uh, Macho for a while, didn't he? Well, yeah, they main event SummerSlam 92, the two of them, don't they? But, yeah. And Warrior. But again, it never really kind of goes anywhere because Ultimate Warrior, you know, as, as charismatic as he is, you can't really build a federation around him because he's not that good a worker. Can I say that quietly? Oh, really? Yeah. No, he's over. Te- definitely, but yeah, I know what you mean. He's not anywhere near a technical worker. As a yeah. world champion, he's not. Yeah. He, he had a bit of like the similar to Goldberg. Goldberg was ultra, ultra over, but couldn't really work a match longer than five minutes. Yeah, you had to have them in with a really good guy to make the match even better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Whereas you kind of want the, your champion, you want your champion to make everybody else look good, you know. One yeah, reason yeah. Why you want your champion to be able to have a decent match for about half an hour with anyone. Yeah, which is one really? reason why Ric Flair was such a good champion because you could put him in the ring with anybody and they'd have a great match, and he could, you know, he would shine the other person up and make them look brilliant. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, but Warrior was not that guy. No, but I think you know, even though we're kind of calling it as an ending, it was kind of missed by the company for what a good year or so. Oh yeah. There was, was a sort of limbo period, I think, where they weren't yeah. quite sure where the hell they were going to go. Yeah. This whole steroid thing kind of hit in a, in a really bad way. Yeah, it kind of... Because obviously uh, Vince was quite involved in the trials. There's quite a good bit about it. I watched the, um, the history of uh, WWE on Netflix, and uh, the US Netflix. 
Yeah. And they, they do go into quite a bit of depth about this and like how much, you know, Vince was kind of getting dragged into it. And obviously his, for that period, his eye was off the ball because he was kind of dealing with his trials. It took a while for that to kind of get off to one side and he could kind of knuckle down on the, on the corporation again. Yeah, is this not the only the only way that Vince didn't get charged in a much more serious way was that they basically they could prove that Vince bought steroids, but they couldn't prove that he had encouraged the talent to use them. There was some kind of weird thing to it. Yeah, that was the, that was the distinction they made is the fact that Vince in no way <laughs> encouraged his talent to use steroids. Yeah. So whilst they may have bought them from this doctor, yeah, um, Doctor Vince did not encourage the use of it in 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 the WWF. Yeah, so that's how Vince got away with it. Yeah, and is that? I mean, do we feel bad about that? That Vince didn't get? You know, it's a whole thing, isn't it? Because if if he was encouraging these guys to use steroids, which is bad, but it was wrestling, which was brilliant. I think it's partly it, it, it's partly with the televisual age of wrestling getting into it. Yeah, I think that was the thinking behind it. The thinking behind it was that he, you needed these sort of cartoonish, massive muscle guys. Yeah. In order to get across on television, I don't think had it been like a regional thing, you know, in like in in arenas in their own state, then it it, it, it probably would have got away with it. It probably would have been fine. But I think as soon as wrestling became this massive televised thing, yeah, which the irony being WrestleMania itself probably kicked off. Yeah, well, it goes along. It goes along with like if you look at like um, like eighties kind of culture general because obviously all of this kind of was born out of the boom of the the mid eighties. Like yeah. that hard body look, that was the look that was like held up in culture as perfection. You know, Stallone, yeah, exactly. Schwarzenegger. Um, you know, or you look at the movies, like that body was like, you know, that was the ideal. And wrestling kind of moved towards that with, you know, Hogan back in the day was had that kind of physique, you know, the Ultimate Warrior did. And those were the guys getting pushed to the top of the card. It wasn't like you just do Rhodes and those kind of guys anymore. You had to have that kind of hard body look. Yeah. But I think it was it was almost kind of wider than just wrestling. It was like a cultural thing, it was like that bodybuilder physique was like, you know, that was the ideal to aspire to for that period. I think that kind of meant like guys were getting pushed to the top of the car. If you could do that, you could like like the warrior. I mean, he, he had that look, you know, that would draw people in, but he couldn't wrestle like an hour match with Ricky Steamboat. No, not at all. Which is where you kind of get into the, uh, you know, that's what WCW would pride itself on was supplying that kind of match, whereas WWF was all about the, the wrestling has. Yeah. <clears throat> I think WCW had around about that time, you sort of, um, they had the, the cruiserweight division, you know, as well. WCW renowned maybe a little bit later on as the cruiserweights in WCW, but the, you know, WCW didn't have it as much, I don't think. But you still had like a, that time of there, you would have had like um, with big guys. You would have had like the Hollywood Blondes and you know, Flying Brian Pillman was over there, like Steamboat yeah, was exactly. over there. They were they were a different kind of worker. It was more about you know the more kind of purest technical wrestling than it was at the WWF. But then, which yeah. one sold all the money? You know, which one which one generated all the sales? Yeah, it was it was the, WWF. It was it was Hogan and that kind of yeah. So going back and watching WrestleMania again, I mean, you said earlier on camera you were kind of worried about watching it and what, and what kind of hoping it held up to your childhood memories. You feel that it did? I have to say no. It 
it genuinely did. It saddens me to say, but I I had it in my head that the um, yeah, like I say, the Undertaker did the snake match was probably the most glaring one. Yeah, because in the back of my head, I had that as brilliance. Yeah. Well, I think the thing um, is, like, you, you look at the Undertaker now, like, you look at the matches he's had over the past kind of five, ten years. That's the kind of that's the Undertaker that's fresh in your mind. Yeah. Not this kind and, of. The non selling kind of squash guy. Every match he had at WrestleMania was an absolute classic. Yeah. And it's not. <laughs> no, I mean, next year we get, was it El Gigante he's against next year? No, Giant Gonzalez, yeah. whatever his name was. Giant Gonzalez. You, you forget, I mean, what? It's yeah, nine Giant Gonzalez, ten he sat out, eleven King Kong Bundy, twelve Kevin Nash, which is probably the first kind of decent one. Yeah. It's, it's not until after match, that. Twelve is probably the first match you'd watch again. Um, 13, Sid Justice. Yeah, don't make Sid. So, yeah, you, you, you're kind of a few years away from his major, major bona fide classics. Yeah. 15, let's not forget, was the Hell in a Cell match for Bossman with the most uncomfortable ending ever. <laughs> when they hang Big Bossman. Yeah, when they hang Big Bossman. Yeah. And it's proper morbid. <laughs> Well, that was what Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. That was full on Ministry of Darkness Attitude Era. I don't think yeah. that's on the network. Oh, it should. I will check later on. I'll let you know, Jordi. It's certainly edited from quite a few DVDs. Well, they're saying anything on there is unedited. So, even well, I don't believe that for what. Well, I can't believe they'll show the old hard pay per view without editing this. Which one's that? Um, but we'll, I'll, I'll, over the age ninety nine. They do. Yeah. They show it, but they've got a warning at the start. They've yeah. got to edit it. I'm not having one minute they'll have the JR broadcast when you announce Old Heart's death. I, I'm not having that. I, it was the first question people asked when they realised Over the Edge of 99 was on there is will they broadcast in its entirety? And apparently they do, but there's a warning at the start that says what happened. Oh, that's sick if, the, if they're leaving the whole JR thing. That's terrible. So what do you think of WrestleMania right now? Because obviously, you know, well, well, you know my response to this. I think it holds up as well as ever did as all my other wrestling tapes do. <laughs> I can watch them over and over again and love them. Yeah, exactly think... as the same as I did when I was an 11-year-old boy. I'm not sure how many times I watched this WrestleMania, but it was an awful lot. Yeah. I was it's watching just... WrestleMania 2 this morning, and I loved that as well. Yeah, I've never really kind of gone back too much into the previous WrestleManias because I don't hold... Like my memories of them aren't quite as good. I remember the boxes, you know, like on the back of the cases, seeing the um, you know the old Coliseum video stuff and Silver Vision and all that kind of things. But I've never really kind of gone back to them that much. Oh, I've I've, I've revisited them many yeah. many times, many times. It's this period from like from WrestleMania onwards. Uh, Survivor Series um, eighty nine with a ten man tag. Eighty eight. Eighty eight. Yeah, that's the one. I uh, that's the other one I had. I used to watch loads of times because of the ten man tag match. That's brilliant, the 10-man tag match. Yeah. Uh, no, I've, I've rewatched them many times. So I've seen Royal Rumbles, WrestleMania, SummerSlams. I've, I've revisited them many, many times and loved them as much as I did them days as I do now. And I'll probably watch WrestleMania 6 when we're finished with this. <laughs> Are you warming yourself up for tomorrow night then? Or uh, Sunday night, rather? Yeah, I've been watching all the Grand Nationals today to warm myself up for tomorrow and then I'll warm myself yes. up for, uh, <laughs> for Saturday night. Uh, for Sunday night as well. Brilliant. Yeah, so that's our, our first look at our first wrestling pay-per-view. Yeah, that's gone well. Gone well. Apart from the uh, the, the WrestleMania not actually being as good as we remember. 
Except for me. Except for Jordi Alba. Except Al, who will not critique it in any way. <laughs> no, it's all perfect. The pedestal that he's got. <laughs> it's completely perfect down the line. It's got some really brilliant, brilliant moments and really brilliant matches, but it's not the greatest pay-per-view of all time. It kind of like at once shows. I think the company at its best and at its worst. Yeah, I'd argue with that. Yeah, I'd say that. That's pretty fair, actually. Yeah. You've got the flare. You got the flare macho match, which is you know the paper heart match, which is just brilliant, and then you've got you know Hogan just flouncing around being Hulk Hogan. Can I just uh, interlude again um, with my alternate cards for the second half of the show? Oh, go for uh, it. As well, Tatanka Martel, I presume, was the same. I don't know if anything changed. I've mentioned the tag team match should have been LOD against Money Inc. Yeah. And, of course, we all know what the main event was supposed to be of Hogan versus Flair was what it was going to be. But apparently two reasons to change it was, first of all, that um, Hogan inevitably had to lose somehow because... If they couldn't have been champion or at least win by disqualification or whatever and I yeah. thought that was a bit naff by you know world title match ending in disqualification um, against Flair but apparently not only that the house show draws didn't do very good they had that house show for open there back in 91, 92 and apparently they didn't actually um, get the response they wanted from it so that's another reason why it was pulled from the card and we'd, we'd get Flair Hogan later on in WCW wouldn't we several yeah. years later I think I don't think it was... 94. I don't, I, I, I don't know because I didn't really watch it, but the impression yeah. I got was it wasn't exactly brilliant back then, but I could be wrong. But Well, I think if, if, they, if, they, go, if they were going to do it, they had to do it really then because I think, you know, Flair was probably still in his peak. Yeah. Like, he was. Still, I, think, I think from here onwards, he would kind of tail off, you know, inevitably due to his age. And obviously Hogan was at the end of his peak as well. I think, you know, if they were going to do it, it should have been then. Because yeah. after that, they were just, you know, waning powers. But yeah, I think, I think that in retrospect, they probably did the right choice. Certainly Savage Match, I imagine, was a... Uh, sorry, Savage Flair was a better match than uh, anything else on that card would have been. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so we recommend uh, watching WrestleMania 8, either acquiring it or watching it on the WWE Network, if you can access it like I can. <clears throat> Yeah, oh, yeah. Come on officially. I'll get it on uh, DVD or VHS would be my recommendation. <laughs> get it on VHS. Go for the old style way of watching it. Yep. So that's that one done. I don't know what we're going to do next week. Or um, next month or whenever. I well, say week. <laughs> I, I suggested to Cameron doing it maybe timeline-wise. So if we're going to do one in April, maybe doing the Backlash. And if we're going to do one in June, maybe a King of the Ring. Yeah, the uh, the King of the Ring where like he gets beaten up by uh, Dre Law at the end. The start of the Burger King. Oh, ninety three. Yeah, let's see, let's do that one. We'll the death of Hulkamania. One. Is that the proper death? Well, the yeah, WWE, was... the WWE death anyway, WF yeah. death. Yeah. <clears throat> so we've seen the. Um, I think I think WrestleMania eight is when they're like they get shot in the head. <laughs> so. The body stumbles on until King of the Ring, where it finally kills over and dies. So yeah, that'll be a good one too. I think next. So if yeah, you want to, uh, if you want to listen and send in your thoughts, it's King of the Ring, ninety uh, three. Uh, let us know on the Twitter. I'm Evil Ninja Phil. Uh, uh, Cameron's at Cripple H. Yes. Uh, and don't wouldn't at, bother doing that. Jordy Allen. You never respond, Al, so... I read. (laughs) 
That's not the point he of Twitter. Reads, but he never responds. He watches, but he does not participate. The filthy. It's called a conversation, Jordy Allen. Come on, conversate with the rest of us. All right. Yeah. So we, we never know. Might even get some listener feedback next time. Maybe. Probably not. Who but knows? you know, it's worth put. It's worth putting out there, isn't it? That's all I can say. It's worth putting out there. It's worth putting out. Yeah. We might. We'll see. We'll see. So that's the uh, the first of the conquistadors done. Yeah, it's been good. Good wrestling, 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 wrestling. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we will. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of a good wrestling thing to end on. We'll see you on the mat. No, that's rubbish. And end of the round. No, they don't have rounds, do they? Oh, they don't have rounds. No. So the bells just rang, and it's time to submit. No, that sounds even a bit rapey. That does a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Bye then. So- so for, Jesse the body, so for Jesse the Body Ventura, I'm Gorilla Monsoon. So bye, so long, everybody. That's something along their lines as he's famous. Take a few clothes now, That'll do. That'll do, yeah. We need to make it a bit more succinct, but yeah, that works. Uh, should I do it again? Because I cocked it up. Yeah. Uh, here you go, here you go. Uh, goodbye, humanoids. Shawn Michaels has left the building. <laughs> Shut up, Moody. Hey! <laughs> They've gone through the doors of the building. <laughs>